0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode four of Even If Nobody Listens, a musical theater podcast. My name is Joe Barsanti.
1: And I am Brandi Underwood.
0: And today we are going to be talking about um, where ideas come from for musicals, specifically talking about adaptation versus creation of, like, ideas.
1: So before we get started, we'd like to thank our friend John and Joseph's father, who have given great feedback. Since we are new, we are slowly but surely developing and getting our feet into this podcasting medium. So any reviews that you can give us would be great. We'll take feedback. We love it and we thank you for it.
0: So, Brandy, I kind of alluded to this earlier in the day. Um since we are talking about adapting ideas from musicals and musicals that have been adapted from other mediums, I made a little game. So, I went on Wikipedia and I found a list of musicals that were based on movies um it was weird it was missing titanic which i was kind of surprised by but regardless
1: well that that musical was not based on the movie it was based on just telling oh the story fair of point titanic. that was
0: based on the historical event can we, hey brandy cut all that
1: why just that D- because no because that
0: was me being dumb
1: but that was funny. okay
0: i'll let you decide So I went through the list and picked some musicals and I created a game and this is the game. I'm going to give you two movies, one of which will have been a musical that was either on Broadway, off Broadway or uh, played in the West End. The other one was not ever a musical to my knowledge or if it is, I just couldn't find it. And I have seven of them. I might not use all of them depending on how long this game takes.
1: I'm pretty good at games, so we'll see.
0: I'm wondering how many, because a couple of these I'd heard of, I'm wondering how many of these musicals you've heard of. So, first up, the two movies are The Bodyguard and Lincoln.
1: I already know this one. Which one is it? (laughs) It's The Bodyguard. Correct,
0: The Bodyguard. It was a movie in 1993 about a, a pop singer and a Secret Service agent, bodyguard guy. Good.
1: The famous, I believe, I'm 75% sure that that famous Whitney Houston song is from this.
0: Yes, um, I, yes, the that song was used in the movie, um, that one moment in time. Oh no, it was the Oh I Want to Dance with Somebody.
1: No, you were wrong.
0: Both of them are in it. Oh, is it? I'm yeah. There's, um, the score featured songs recorded by Whitney Houston, included One Moment in Time. This is the musical, had recordings of Whitney Houston One Moment in Time and oh, I wow. Want to Dance with Somebody. Um okay, yeah, so Lincoln was not a, uh, a musical, but I would like that, because especially if we could get Daniel Day Lewis on stage, just I'd be happy. And that played in the West End, by the way. Second one, Caddyshack or Crybaby? Oh god. Do you need descriptions of either? Caddyshack was the great golf movie what with Caddyshack Bill Murray. Is. And if Crybaby I mean. was a movie from nineteen nineties starring Johnny Depp. He played a a bad boy in Baltimore.
1: I'm going to say Cry Baby.
0: The answer is Cry Baby. You are correct. Played on Broadway.
1: Caddyshack the musical would be insane.
0: It could be really cool. That could be a cool... And if anyone gets an idea of this, feel free. Try to get the IPs for these and uh, make it. This one I'm really excited about. Eight Crazy Nights. The Adam Sandler movie, which you and I love. Or Debbie Does Dallas. Have you ever heard of Debbie Does Dallas?
1: No, but I'm I I, I'm gonna say I'm a kind of an avid fan of Eight Crazy Nights, so I'm gonna say that that's not the one. That was made into a, staged production. or no uh. Mm. Final what was, guess? What was the other one?
0: Eight Crazy Nights or Debbie D- Debbie Does Dallas. This was on Broadway. I'm sorry. This was off Broadway.
1: I'm going to say that Debbie Does Dallas was not the production, like staged production. So Eight Crazy Nights was produced off Broadway.
0: No. Ugh. Debbie Does Dallas. Brandy, do you know what Debbie Does Dallas?
1: You totally. Hold, no, no. This like, gets better. Cycle. Uh, I was looking at you. I was like, oh, no, I don't know if this is right. Is this wrong?
0: Damn Do you it. know what Debbie Does Dallas was?
1: Before, no, but I bet you're gonna tell me
0: it was a porno.
1: And when did it go on stage? So the was this 1970s New York, 1980s New York, or 1990s? This New
0: York? was off Broadway. Um, let me see, off Broadway in 2002. Now I don't think the musical was a porno, but Debbie Does Dallas was a porno. That basically followed this girl named Debbie from Dallas. Or she might not have been from Dallas. I haven't watched it. Um, Debbie, you followed her going to Dallas. She was a bartender and she went to Dallas to try to become a Dallas cheerleader. Um, okay, next up. Breakfast Club. The Wedding Singer. Which is one of my favorite movies, by the way.
1: The Wedding Singer's one of your oh, favorite Oh, great
0: movies? movie. Young you- Adam Sandler. Oh good movie
1: you've watched the wedding singer but you've never seen et how correct we're not going to go into that that's too much of a tangent so the wedding
0: singer or breakfast club this was on broadway
1: i believe the wedding singer was on broadway
0: correct wedding singer was on broadway um last one ready gone with the wind or schindler's list which one this was in the the west end
1: gone with the wind
0: Correct. On with the wind.
1: These are easy.
0: Well, I mean, I tried. I thought it'd be a fun game. You know, not everyone might not might not know. After doing that game, uh, let's talk about a bit a bit about adapting. So, Brand, can you give a, a short synopsis of like what adapting is for musical theater?
1: Adapting is taking any IP intellectual, intellectual property. property and either including parts, taking out parts. And putting it on stage or writing it for stage or writing it So taking
0: something that wasn't for theater and making it their theater. Or taking something that wasn't a musical and making it a musical.
1: Correct. For this application and this podcast. So,
0: I mean, yeah, like, those things we went through. There's a big list. I mean, obviously, the list I have is over, let's see, how many is it? 202 shows that are based off of movies. And, I mean, going through this, there's some that, like... I knew the movies. I was familiar with the movies. Some of them I didn't. I mean, they created a Back to the Future musical, which I think is still in development over the West End, if memory serves me right. Beetlejuice, obviously. Big Fish, Big, with Tom Hanks, uh, was on Broadway for like two weeks. Um, but there were also a handful of ones that I didn't know were movies. Um, you might have know this. I didn't know band, The Band's Visit was a movie.
1: I didn't know that one
0: either. Yeah, like uh, Band's Visit, and the other one,
1: I might have like heard that when the Tonys were going on.
0: See, I thought it was a, I thought it was a book for some reason. But the other one that I was really surprised by, and I might be stupid, I didn't know Waitress was a movie.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I,
0: I just didn't know that.
1: That's odd. That Waitress. Yeah, I, didn't I know that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Was the Wiz a movie? The
0: Wiz was a movie. The Wiz. That was a movie, movie first. first, but I argue it's different because it was a movie musical. So it was taking a movie musical because the the movie and the stage show from memory are pretty similar. So I think that's a little different than taking something so, like Beetlejuice.
1: Okay, yeah, I mean, it, I, but I, then how do you categorize like Frozen or Rocky or? I Lion think we'll King. get it.
0: Well, I think I think Frozen and Rocky are in different categories, but we we'll get into that. I think we will get into that. But so last week I got to do a um, workshop Zoom meeting thing with some musical theater people and. Um, One of the things that I I took away from it was this idea of when you're creating an idea or want to write a musical, is it better to adapt or to create a new idea? So I, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. So, Bran, in your mind, what are the advantages to creating your own story and creating your own idea?
1: I think the advantages are that it teaches you a different set of skills comparatively to adapting a piece because it's... Commonly harder to kind of create and sell your own world generally. Very much, yeah. Like with adaptations, you already have a basis, you already have an audience that has somewhat of a knowledge of the story or the intellectual property that you are using and telling your story through. So that's kind of the two different schools of thought with them is like one's not easier in a way that it's just. In craft, But it's just taking something someone's already familiar with, whereas you have to convince and tell your story in a heightened way if you're creating something to have them come along on your journey.
0: True. And I mean, you know, on the other side of that, the advantages, you kind of mentioned this, but advantages to adaptation are some of the work's already done for you. The plot points are there. You know, there's a story art that's already there you can use. Also, people... If you're using a property that people know, people have heard of it. What are some disadvantages you see to creating your own like new idea?
1: So you have to think of a lot of different elements differently than you do with adapting, because you have to create it all from scratch, like story, um, plot points, how the story relates to the plot points, and character how the character arcs, developments yeah. relate to each other, how the characters. How even the characters relate to each other, not even their developments, um, where, or where with adaptations, it's just slightly different.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, and it's funny because, like, if you look at the disadvantages of adaptations, um, there's, I think there's two big ones. You know, one of them is just because you have a known IP and people know it, that's not an advantage all the time. If people have an expectation of what they're going to see and they see something different, you know, they might, take less fondly to it. And the second thing, obviously, is, you know, copyright and copyright protection and intellectual property and all that stuff that you don't have the right necessarily to... that you don't have the right to, you know, write the musical for Fahrenheit 451 just because you want to. You got to get rights for it, but...
1: And here's the thing. You could totally write that, right? You There's nothing, oh yeah, there's stopping, nothing stopping you from writing for, yeah. Fahrenheit 451. The moment... That gets in your way is the fact, okay, I take my finished thing and I want to go either produce it or publish it or send it to an agent. That's the moment that it's like, okay, do I weigh the risk of not being able to get the rights to do it um, or just write it to learn something? And maybe down the road something happens and you do it.
0: And it's funny because I've heard heard stories on both sides of this where people have written the whole show, and, you know, they talk to the people who own the property, and they say, no, you're not doing that. But positive story, um, Green Day, American Idiot. The, Fun the... Home was
1: also another one. What? Fun Home was also another one. They were, like, wanting to write the story, wanting to take the graphic novel and turn it into a play. They went to Alison Bechtel and she was like, yeah, sure. I don't know how you're going to do it, but yeah.
0: Yeah. And green green day was, was similar where they wrote all the music. They wrote, the, I'm pretty sure they wrote a, a good chunk of the show and they brought it to green day and green day was like, sure, do it. Why not? Like they were totally happy for it. Um. So I want to talk about adaptation, like good and bad, like adaptations we've seen what's your favorite um musical that's that's was adapted from something so like movies books anything like that
1: so favorite musical that was a movie a movie musical of mine is Anastasia my favorite book to musical adaptation would have to be Ragtime.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a fair point. That's a fair one. Um I think I don't I actually don't read a lot. Ragtime is one of my favorite musicals, but
1: you should definitely read the book. I have it right there. Maybe.
0: I also see that we have Stephen King's The Shining right there and I kind of want to read that too, but um my two favorite musicals based based off of movies, um Big Fish. I I think it's a very underrated show and um Shrek. I think, I think I, Shrek is also one of my favorite shows, especially for community theater. It's Two a great... Shows, yeah. yeah. Um. So one thing I think is interesting to discuss when it comes to um, adaptations is sometimes it feels like with some adaptations we see going to Broadway, especially recently, it seems like the last couple of years we've just been getting So-and-So the Musical. Um. It, it seems like, obviously, it's easier for a producer to... Green light something that's known, like taking Beetlejuice and making it a musical, SpongeBob making it a musical. But does it make? I don't know. Is it commercializing theater in a weird way? Like, is it trying to like the fact that that producers are really, you know, uh, supporting this stuff, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But is it leaving less room for original musical theater? You know, original stories that haven't been told yet. Is it? commercializing musical theater, you know, in a maybe an off way
1: or in like is it a positive influence or is it something that like what are the pros and cons of commercializing Broadway in this way or musical theater in this way?
0: Because, I mean, a, a benefit is obviously it's getting money in.
1: Yeah, like before COVID and a few years before COVID is like Broadway was seeing record ticket sales.
0: Which I I think, let's be honest, stuff like, obviously, I I know you're not a fan of it, but Spongebob. Spongebob the Musical not only brought in people who love musical theater, but it brought in kids who love Spongebob. So from an economic standpoint, a business standpoint, it's a great idea.
1: Yeah, like, those are the few pros of doing these types of shows and doing these types of projects. But I think the reason why, like, also Broadway had those record ticket sales is that you had a lot of those entities coming on, but you still have like Wicked, Lion King. um...
0: Based off a book, based off a movie.
1: Exactly. Like so many.
0: Oh, so you're saying that like there were, but it's also, you know, it raises the question, where do you draw the line? You know, it's almost like looking at art and saying, this is art. This isn't art. You know, it's hard Mm -hmm. to say. It's like, well, is SpongeBob commercialism and Lion King, high art you know like, i think I,
1: there is definitely a separation between spongebob the musical and lion king especially lion king of how that turned into a theatrical event in its own right because of what they did to bring it to the stage
0: and you know i think that has a uh, that's i think if we look at a lot of movie musicals the ones that i think we would consider more successful a were musicals to begin with so we look at a lot of the disney franchises but also they do something like Lion King's a great example that they could have, they could have taken the cartoon Lion King and done some sort of like cartoony, whatever on stage, but they made a choice to say, no, we're going to do something with like really elegant puppetry and really beautiful, like really dropping those African heritage and created something grander.
1: And I think the thing with that specifically is that that was in the end of disney's renaissance as far as a company that they reinvigorated they reinvigorated new york to a certain extent and broadway to a certain extent but they took like beauty and the beast for example you that wasn't at all cartoony it was just very high elegance like almost taking
0: it was taking the movie and prettying it up i think they made they took the movie and made it very beautiful on stage but i think they they, like trans- they made it
1: as realistic while being ethereal and theatrical at the same time.
0: But on the flip side of that, you know, we also have something like like Big Fish and Shrek. They were both good movies.
1: Shrek being more successful than Big Fish. Which is
0: sad because Big Fish was really good. Um, but they both made really good musicals. And, you know, I think that goes to just say that there's no secret to adaptation, you know, like... It, I think that you have to put your heart into it and really trust the project you're going behind. But like Big Fish versus Beetlejuice, those are both Tim Burton properties. Like those were, you know, in the in the directing style were both Tim Burton. So it's interesting to see that I think Big Fish, you know, I, I think Beetlejuice is getting more acclaim than Big Fish did. But I think Big Fish is a better show than Beetlejuice. And it's just, I think it's, there is no secret to adaptation. It's kind of just, you have to love what you're doing and put your heart into it.
1: I think it has to also, at least from the writing team's perspective, it has. you should forget about the money. And, and when I mean forget about the money, your mission as the writer is to tell a great story not to make money you
0: need to do it for do it for the art not the finance
1: yes and some shows i think suffer because that gets that money's the water of like our purpose for doing this is like more of a cash grab than believing it would be a great story on stage
0: and you know that is detrimental to a lot of shows you know i think about seussical for example that you know, if you look into the, if you look into the, the development of Susical, you know, there is so much turmoil in that of directors changing, set designers changing, all these different elements changing, people, producers coming in and saying, no, you need to change this song and this song and this song. And as as much as I respect Susical, it's not my favorite show, but as much as I respect it and know that it is a quality show, I think it could have been better if they let the the artists do their job you let the the writers do their job rather than the producers coming in and sticking their feet in it when we're talking about cash grabs i mean disney is something that comes to mind um yes yeah, some of their things are very good lion king but um i don't know brian what's your thoughts you're a big frozen fan of the movie um like where do you stand on the musical itself or the the stage musical
1: i think it was a great opportunity to get more young people into a theater for the first time so I love it for that but also I think that movie was very hard to turn into a music a theatrical musical because of the placement of the title mega hit song let it go fits more into an I want song following that form I feel like having it being pushed to be the song right before intermission it just leaves a lot of like filler space and if you feel like there's too much filler it can kind of like ruin the flow of a story
0: because like i remember i don't know who said it but there was this musical theater rule i remember that you have to have your i want song in the first 15 minutes but do you not have to worry about that because everyone knows the plot you know everyone knows who elsa is Because I agree that it is like her I am, I want song. But everyone knows a story of Frozen. So maybe you can fudge it a little bit. And like put that a little later in the story if you want to.
1: So the thing with Frozen the musical is that it's still... It goes back to like sometimes an adaptation will like completely change writing teams. And like... Mm. But Frozen the musical on Broadway kept the same writing team so the director who wrote and directed Frozen wrote and was the playwright for frozen the musical really yes
0: the way the director of the movie
1: and the writer she was a, a sc- or the screenwriter for frozen wrote and the, the director
0: the book Wrote yes really i didn't know that okay
1: so like it it kept the same people even like the lopez's were the composers And the lyricist. So.
0: And they also added numbers for the show.
1: Yeah. It was. I think it just seemed like they took a long time for Frozen, the movie. Oh. Like, took like four to five years to write that story. And then.
0: And then they also took their time to get the musical up. Because I could also see. I
1: disagree. I think the musical came much faster after the movie.
0: Oh, the the first per- performance was in 2017. When was the movie? That was 2000, 2013. Okay, so that's I mean that's 4 years. That's that's a normal amount of time I guess to f- develop a musical, but I could see them pushing it out quicker. But then again, they did it and then they did Frozen 2 you know, how many, 7 years later. So I can get that that you know, they kind of paced everything out. So and I I think that goes back to kind of what we were saying that yeah a lot of the the things about a successful um adaptation are like you're having your heart into it not doing it for the money but doing it for the art Um, which i
1: think frozen the musical wasn't it wasn't doing it for the money i I think the writing team was not
0: the lopez's because i mean they'd already they'd already cashed in their check you know they didn't need to do the musical they're fine but i
1: think like it's frozen is a good example of doing too much trying to do too much different things. They had a really good thing with the movie. All you had to do is kind of tweak stuff and then go from there. But I think that they tried to shove too much into it.
0: But I could also see an argument of if you're just going to take the movie and put it on stage, why am I paying 20 times? No, I agree.
1: Price? But like, if you look at the kind of character development that they tried to put in, it it felt like things were shifting that really didn't need to show. You
0: wanna know something that bugged me about that show? What? So I love puppets. I, I adore puppets in theater. When I first saw the video for Warhorse and saw that puppet on stage, I cried because that, that puppet was so amazing. It bugs me that Olaf is a great puppet. Olaf reminds me of like Zazu from the Lion King musical, that it is, they took the movie character and just put it in our world, and it's great. But then you have Sven, who is an amazing puppet. It's a beautiful puppet, but it's a completely different it's way more artistic and and it's in a completely different like genre, I guess. Like then then Olaf. And I guess I don't know that that's a, a a tangent, but it it bugged me when I saw it.
1: Yeah, so Frozen Frozen. Yeah, so Frozen the musical. Great great um some would say great content, original content.
0: It was a good movie. It was, one, yeah, it was one of the better Disney movies that came out recently. Recently, quote-unquote, past decade.
1: I mean, if I start talking about it, I'll be here for 20 minutes. So,
0: But I, I think... In a good there, way. There's a lot of good points about it. That that in a good adaptation, it is about sticking to the original material, twisting it in some way, making it more theatrical, but knowing that balance. And that's why I think adap- adaptation is really hard to do well. Especially in a known franchise, because everyone's going to compare it to. Because that's the thing, we're not sitting here talking about the band's visit or um or dogfight and comparing those to their movies because those movies are much smaller. Frozen, everyone knows. So, you know, I think that there's no, like I, I said, think there's the no people.
1: Def- I think the people who are really reviewing Frozen do not care about what was done. I think from a writer standpoint, that's where. The analytical side can come in. But the kids who got introduced to Broadway musical loved it and most likely now want to have a career or continue and explore Broadway. And, you know, that's
0: as much as I like as a as a creative, I want to see original work and I want to see original stories. I know that. And I think that's important, knowing that for some kid they saw SpongeBob, and now they want to do theater, and now they want to dedicate their lives to theater.
1: Yeah, and I think it's like still the original musicals, like that's the next show that they see, or like down the line they fall in love with, and they see this other great set of tools that it, they it's can a, play it's a gateway with or explore. Yeah. Every,
0: everyone has their theater gateway show that gets them into it, and then you know it might not be the show you you love. Forever, but it's a show that's important to you forever. So,
1: what was your gateway drug musical?
0: God. So, I I mean, I've been doing theater for over twelve years now. Um, but the show that that finally got me like I want to do this was Fun Home because we, you and I went to went to New York in two thousand.
1: It was the first year we were dating. So th- three months into dating.
0: So that was five. October 2015 and we saw Fun Home on, on Broadway and it was remarkable and, and we got we front, front, front row, row seats we were middle. right in front of them it was it, that was the moment that I was like okay I can I can get behind this I want to do this I want to create this kind of stuff and then for you I'm guessing it was wicked
1: so into Broadway musicals and musical theater yes it was wicked into writing it was if then so, Wicked got me into introduced into it, and then If Then, because I saw just the original. So,
0: story. Wicked was like musical theater, and then actually creating it was If Then. Correct. How long did If Then run for? Was like it a, a short- a year
1: and a half. It wasn't oh, really? very long. Okay, I thought no, it was- No, wait, no, no, no. Not a year and a half. It... About eight months.
0: Okay, that, yeah, because I knew that wasn't a super long running show, but it wasn't like a, a Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark or a-
1: No, I it was funny. The first concert I ever saw, I saw Dina in Ravinia in Chicago and she sang one of the more popular songs from If Then and she was like, I'm working on this show and I asked the writers if I could sing this song in the concert and I loved it. And then I learned it was from If Then and then I saw If Then four years later. So it was cool.
0: I'm really sad. We're like 40 minutes into recording. I don't know how long this is edited down to. But I just now for the first time mentioned Spider Man and I that's a whole nother conversation of like, was that done for art art for art's sake or art for money's sake? But you know, I think that's I think we can start wrapping it up there, you know. Adaptation is easier and harder than creating your own story, but there are benefits to it, but I think you have to have your heart in it. You have your heart has to be in the right place as a writer to do adaptation. I think
1: if it's a story, for example, one story that I like really, I'm more of a darker tone writer, one story I am feeling so compelled to write is based off of the book Room. And that's a super dark, super sad book and movie, but the context of the story- Not the
0: Tommy Wiseau room. No. This is a different room. The this room with is, Brie Larson.
1: Yeah. So that movie just feels like, I don't know if it's a musical. I think it might be more of a play, but I see it very theatrically moving and cathartic.
0: So I think the, the the big thing here is that like, if you know that picking adaptation or creation, creating your own idea, neither one's going to be easier. They, They all have their challenges, but I think if you are going the route of adaptation, assuming you have rights to do it, if it's not in public domain, it's all about having your heart in it and, and, as a writer, believing in the story and not doing it for a cash grab, you know.
1: But also have like you have to love the story. It has to mean. Oh something yeah, you to have to. You.
0: you have to. Your your heart has to be one hundred percent in it. You have to believe in the project, but also love the the content. Because I mean, if you are going to live with it for a year or two, you got to love it. Do you know they made a *Bend It Like Beckham* musical, like the soccer movie?
1: See, that's another one of those things. It feels like what kind of. What what is that? <laughs> See,
0: I now, I would recommend anyone interested in this topic, Google musicals based on movies. There's a Wikipedia list of all of them, and, and there was some, there was another one. Um, there was a movie, a musical based off the movie Giant Killer Sharks. It didn't go to Broadway, but like there are some crazy things in here. So I think we should wrap this up because we'll keep talking about this for another hour, and I don't think we want to re- make an episode that long yet. So, thank you all for listening to episode four of Even If No One Listens. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, reviews, you can leave them on our iTunes page, Spotify page. We appreciate any ratings you leave. We also have our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, all that jazz.
1: We really appreciate any comments you can give. And like we said at the beginning, we're feeling our way through this. So,
0: And we're doing this, we started this because we just wanted
1: want to talk about this yeah
0: we leave every time we leave a show we are talking about it for the you know next couple days and we love talking about the theory behind theater and ideas behind it so this is just a way for us to have fun and you know structure a, a conversation and a debate between us so you know if people enjoy this we really we're glad we want to hear it and we'd love to hear any
1: feedback topics potential future shows anything you want to throw at us
0: so if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, even if no one listens. Our theme music is by myself.
1: Shameless Pug.
0: And we will see you all next week.